If you've bought property, you likely funded your purchase partly through a mortgage. If the property increases in value over time by more than the cost of the borrowing, you're better off. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast by The Rask Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show. Welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. We're on a mission to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. I'm Owen Rask, founder of The Rask Group. I'm Pete Wardgen, author and buyer's agent. I'm Amy Lenardi, and I am a buyer's agent. I'm Chris Bates, ex-financial planner and mortgage broker. Together, we'll take you through every step of your property journey. From first home buyer to decades of property investing. Good afternoon, Amy, and welcome back to the Australian Property Podcast. Hello, Owen, and hello to our special guest today. Yes, Queenie Tan, how are you going? Yeah, good. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to have you on the Australian Property Podcast. And just so you know, we're on a mission to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. People love to get in touch with us. They can send their questions in via the show notes, so please do that. You can find Queenie as well. If you don't already follow her on social media, You'd be one of the few people in Australia interested in finance that don't follow her, but she's available on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and also online. There'll be a link to her in the show notes. But Amy, we thought it'd be great to get Queenie on the program to talk about her journey with property. Absolutely. And quite often you will see other people purchase a property, maybe your friends or family, or you, you know, you see these sold stickers going up and auction photos on Instagram. And that's all well and good, but you don't know the journey behind that and you don't know the story behind that. And for some people, that's a really smooth, easy ride. And for some people, it's a a bumpier journey. So I always love to hear about how other people bought their property, how they bought their first property, why they bought and their, their motivation behind it all and their experience. So that's what we're here to share today, not only the story of your first property, but what your plans are moving forward for maybe the next property as well. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. So Queenie, to begin with, could you share with us when you bought your first property, what you bought, where it was, and why did you decide to buy a property in the first place? Of course. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. So basically, I purchased a place back in 2019. 
And I bought a place with my partner, we're both first home buyers. And the property that we bought was a two-bedroom apartment. So two-bedroom, one bathroom, one car spot. And we bought it for 500000 The property is located in the south of Sydney in a suburb in the St. George area and region. And the reason why we decided to buy there was when we were looking at properties that we wanted to buy and we were looking for apartments to buy. Basically, like a lot of the areas that that we were living in and, and we were renting at the time were really, really expensive. And I actually grew up down in the the St. George area of Sydney. And I know that, you know, while it might not be the the most trendy kind of area at the moment, I knew that there was good potential for growth and the apartment itself is located really close to a train line. It only takes about 30 minutes on the train into the city. And there are also lots of facilities like, you know, there was like a Woolworths and Aldi, like all these chemists and like a shopping center, like five minute walk. There's also a hospital. So I was like, yeah, you know what? It's a pretty good deal because at the time, the apartments that we were looking at in, I guess, the more trendy kind of like areas were about 700, 800,000 for something similar. So we're like, oh, you know, like I guess for our first place, we, we couldn't really afford something like that. So sometimes, yeah, it, it definitely brought us back down to reality. I think like looking at places in your budget and and going to the inspections as well, because sometimes there were like listings in the fancier areas of Sydney that, that were really cheap. And you're like, wow, 600 grand for a place in, you know, Alexandria or something. And then you go there and it's like a shoebox. And yeah. <laughs> Like there's a huge line out the door and it's like, wow. Yeah, it definitely humbles you, but I'm glad we got in when we did. Yeah. And as a first home buyer, you generally have a set budget. Well, as any as any home buyer, you usually have a set budget. It'd be great if you could just pull a magic lever and get more money. And some people can do that. But if you've got a specific budget, you need to have a think about well, what are the other things that you can change, which is essentially location or it's the size of the property, or it's the condition of the property. And sometimes you need to change a couple of those things and then figure out which of the pieces of the puzzle you want to change. And if it's to be in an amazing location and to get closer to the city, then it does need to be smaller or less renovated. And if that's not going to work for you and your lifestyle, then you do have to consider further out. And a lot of buyers go into these decisions with restrictions. But can I ask, what made you first decide to buy a property, did you were you renting for a while and you got to the point where you know it made sense at the time? And were you also in a position where you thought maybe if we wait longer, we could afford something better? Why did you buy back in 2019? Yeah, I guess we we had the goal of buying a property to live in. And it was something that that motivated us towards like saving that that deposit and our goal was a hundred thousand dollars. And I think the reason why we decided to purchase a place to live in and even purchase a property at all is because we we were invested in stocks and while stocks are great it was it's just one type of investment and we wanted to diversify a little bit more and also just knowing you know the property market cycles like you know you hear maybe parents or grandparents talking about how you know properties used to be you know, X $50,000 for like a house in some crazy area, you know? And I just knew that, yeah, I guess we could wait and like keep waiting until we can find and afford that perfect place. But I also know that 
you know, sometimes if you do have the money to just get in, then just get in and then you can always reassess and decide, you know, maybe I want to sell, maybe I want to go somewhere else. So I think the, at that point, we'll just like, we can get in with what we have right now. Sure, it's not perfect, but let's just get in on the property ladder and then we can always decide what to do later. Actually, Owen, why did you decide to buy your first house? Because I'm mindful everyone's why is different. I'll share my why in a minute as well, which is also different. (laughs) Well, we had planned saved up money and planned to go overseas and then COVID hit. So (laughs) like Queenie, I started investing in shares. That was absolutely where I was first and foremost. So we thought, well, we can't do anything else. We were in an apartment actually at the time and um, we needed more space. We eventually wanted to move back out of the city. And so that was my why. I was like, kind of like escape the city a little bit, but also put the money to work that we had saved up. And we thought, you know, this is COVID, property prices were going to be hopefully cheaper. There was a call at the time for a 32% fall by the Commonwealth Bank. I remember that. And of course, that did not happen. Did not happen. The the opposite happened, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't believe it, but I thought at least that would scare vendors, so scare the sellers. And then I would be able to yeah, to buy at a reasonable price, not like a cheap price, but a reasonable price. So that's why we did it and no regrets. How about you? My why was actually probably not a great why in that I was, my first property was just a pure investment property because I wasn't able to afford anything close to where I wanted to live and what I wanted to live in at the time. So I was renting in East Melbourne. And for anyone that's from East Melbourne, you'll know that buying a property in East Melbourne, it's very, very expensive. And I wanted to maintain that lifestyle. So my first investment property was $400,000. But the reason I bought it at that time, and I was I kind of put myself under this time pressure because I started working in the property industry, this is about 10 years ago, and I thought that it would give me more credibility. I thought all my colleagues have investment properties and I'm, you know, I'm in the industry. I I should just get a property so that I can say I'm a property owner. That's not a great why, is it? I mean, it's, it's not really aligned with my own intrinsic values and I'm not necessarily saying I regret it or anything because the property has performed well for me. But I think when approaching your why with property, it does need to come from inside you rather than external pressures from you seeing other people doing it and saying, I need to do it. Or I had a a friend recently who said, I I felt like I had to buy a property before I was 30. She just put that arbitrary deadline in place and she rushed into it and then regrets it. So I think that's a good consideration to always consider your why first and where's that coming from as well, inside or outside. Yeah. Well, I know you spend a lot of time working through that with clients, right? And that's a lot of people start with like, what's the property? But it's actually like, well, why are you doing it in the first place? Which is such an important question. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, Queenie, is so did you end up living in the apartment or did you use it as an investment property? So we lived in it for three years up until uh, 2022. And yeah, it was it was really great. Like all throughout COVID, it was really nice. We were also renovating the property while we were in there because it was uh, it was like an older apartment. It didn't like some of the appliances didn't work anymore. So we did some work on the kitchen and the bathroom and the flooring, and yeah, pretty much renovated the whole thing. And then after we we did a big like world trip, and after doing the trip, we were like, you know, like it's it's great our apartment and where we live, but we also just wanted to I don't know move somewhere else, like explore somewhere different, and maybe try like rent vesting. So we got another, like we're renting an apartment in kind of like close-ish to the city. It's a one bedroom and we're renting out our um, our two bedroom apartment. 
And I guess now we're in the stage where we're like, we could move back into the two bedroom. And I do miss the renovations because we did, I mean, not to brag or anything, but we did a great <laughs> job. I, I love all the stuff we, we put in. How much did you spend actually, Queenie? Everyone loves to hear about how much other people spend on renovations. Do you remember? I, I think it was like, it was around 50000 for everything, I'd say, but probably stuff I'm forgetting as well. Was that kitchen, bathroom, flooring? Yeah, everything. everything like, yeah. So it was pretty good because we, we did shop around for a few places. And I remember like the first company we reached out to to redo our kitchen, they were going to charge us 40000 just, just for, for the, the kitchen. kitchen. <laughs> it was like it pays to shop around and ask for a few different quotes. And you lived in there while you're renovating as well. What was yeah. that experience like? Especially what, what what did you do when you didn't have a bathroom? God, we had this portaloo oh. in the garage. And so we would just go there and to shower, we just went to the gym. But it was like very like it was not great. <laughs> How long did you do that for? Maybe like maybe a month. It was horrible. It took so long. Oh wow. So then after that, it was just like the appreciation that you have having a toilet and a shower like in your place is unreal like you're like I'm never <laughs> going to take this for granted again <laughs> that's where you save money that's where you save money by doing as much as you can and shopping around and, and living in it because otherwise you would have had to go and you know pay for rent somewhere else or short-term accommodation and that eats into your budget so you've done very well there good job oh, well thank you and once you lease that property out, is that property now, actually, can we discuss how much you bought that property for? And do you remember how much you were earning at the time? Yeah, sure. So the property we bought it for 500000 and I was earning about 100000 plus super and Pablo was earning about seventy or 80000 plus super. And yeah, so we got a lot of the first home buyer exemptions. Like I think we didn't have to pay stamp duty. So that was good as a first home buyer. And yeah. And did you go up to your maximum budget or did you decide to cap it at a certain amount because of the mortgage repayments? How did you consider how much you actually wanted to spend? To be honest, at the time, we didn't know how much we could borrow or what the maximum was. And we just, I, I think they just said like, you can borrow 500,000 were like, okay. <laughs> and so we're like, that's our budget. But yeah, I, I wasn't sure like how much we could actually borrow. So yeah, I guess it was good in a way because we could have probably stretched ourselves more. But now with all the interest rate rises, I'm glad that we didn't stretch ourselves because we can still comfortably afford that place. And, you know, the rent that we're also paying on our, the apartment that we're renting. So yeah, it is good. So that's, like I feel like you would have been able to borrow a lot more. Chris Bates is our mortgage broker on the show. I, I reckon he would have been like, you could have borrowed a fair bit more. <laughs> I kind of wish I did, part of me, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. But but you didn't, right? And that's there's a there's been like a silver lining to that, which is great. How about now, as we go, we fast forward a bit, that place is renovated and now you're rent vesting. I mean, I think I can say this because it's in the public uh, discourse, but you've said like you want to start a family and these types of things going forward. So how does that impact your property intentions from here? Yeah, I would like to ideally buy another place to live in. And I think that, well, the other place is good and I think it would be fine for a couple of years. It may, may not be ideal for kids because there's a lot of stairs and I think taking prams and stuff like that down the stairs may not be as easy. So yeah, we're thinking of buying another place in the next 
say like two years or so. But I guess our circumstances have changed because before when we were buying, when we bought that other place, we were salaried workers. Now we're still on salaries, but we work for ourselves. So it's a little bit different. So I guess we have to, our goal is to work hard on the business so then we can increase our salaries and also increase our borrowing capacity. But yeah, it is lucky because I guess the one thing that we struggled with last time was that we didn't have enough deposit or we had to really hustle for the deposit. And now it's like interesting because it's like we have a deposit, you know, we have money saved, we've got shares as well that we could sell if we need to. And so I'm grateful we're in that position now. And we've also got the equity of the last property, but now it's like the, I guess the borrowing capacity needs to increase by us increasing the salaries ideally. So yeah, yeah, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And how much did your, has your property increased in value? You said you've got equity through that. Did that come through you doing the renovation? And then how do you know you've got equity in that? Did you get a bank valuation or is it more just keeping an eye, like an eye out on what's selling online? So we, we did a valuation around a year and a half ago and it was valued at 630000 which is really cool. And yeah, we bought it for 500000 So yeah, it is, is good that we had that growth through the market, despite it being an apartment. You know, people always say apartments aren't a great investment. Sometimes I think they can be depending on your lifestyle. So I'm gra- glad it actually worked out for us. I've seen apartments uh, grow in value plenty of times before. There is a massive sliding scale with apartments. You can get you know, an apartment in a really high density block and there's hundreds in that suburbs and they're, you know, really awkward floor plans. Or you can get um, properties with more scarcity and they're great floor plans or they've got a bit of character. For example, you know, Art Deco apartments in Elwood, they have performed really well over time here in Victoria because they're desirable. So, and at the end of the day, if you're an investor or you're a home buyer, your budget is going to restrict you to certain locations and certain types of properties. And then if that is an apartment, well, then you can focus on getting the best apartment that you can for that particular budget. Because if someone said to you, Queenie or Owen, right, well, this is your budget and this is the best investment that you can go and buy. Well, you might say, well, I don't want to live in that location. I don't want to live in that type of property. And if this is a home for you more than anything else, first and foremost, that really needs to come first. And for a lot of people, apartments do, do make sense. Queenie, can I ask you a question? Are you intimidated now that you're looking at new properties? Are you intimidated by what's happened in the Sydney property market, like having to purchase another place? Oh, it's honestly, it's pretty crazy what's happened over the past couple of years because the prices have increased a lot. And yeah, that's why I think in a way, I am glad that we kind of got into the market, you know, but even even still, it's like the the prices just move so fast, you know? So it's kind of, it gives me the feeling of like a bit of FOMO because it's like, if I can buy a place now, I should, probably should because what if they keep on increasing even more? Because I think sometimes it's like, I don't know, sometimes you look at the property prices and you're like, oh, it's so expensive. It can't be this much. But then maybe we'll be looking at the prices now in 30 years and we'll be like, wow. Yeah, could have bought back in 2023. <laughs> yeah, a million not. Man, now they're like a, a gazillion, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's, it's the power of hindsight, isn't it? Have you, Queenie, as a next step, you sort of, you mentioned you, you're considering buying another property, but maybe, you know, in a couple of years or so, have you actually spoken to a mortgage broker 
to be able to understand what all of your different options are or at what point in time were you considering going through that process? Because I'm mindful there's a bit of like strategic planning that might happen in place with with your business and your cash flows. I did a chat with a mortgage broker recently and yeah, we, we did discuss where we're at currently and with what we're paying ourselves, we would be able to borrow, I think, a, like a decent amount to buy a place. But then I'm also mindful that I guess if we bought the place that it's it's difficult, right? Because if we bought, I guess, the place that we really, really love that we would want to live in for a couple of years, I think that would stretch our budget a lot, like not just with the the price of the place itself, but also the repayments as well. So it's something to factor in. So I guess we're considering two options. Like, do we rent best and buy another place that that we can rent out and then wait until we buy another place and when we're in a position to be able to, I guess, pay down more of that mortgage or on our dream home? Or do we buy the dream home but then be stretched because, you know, the repayments are quite high on like, I guess we're looking at potentially townhouses in Sydney, but even they're like 1 million to 1.5 million. So it's like, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's like, do we rent best again? Do we not? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on like, I guess there's no right or wrong answer, is there? <laughs> well, for me, if I'm approaching a strategy like this, the first thing I always want to understand is what are all of the different options? And the way to figure that out at the very beginning is, through working with someone like a mortgage broker, because they might say, okay, well, this is your maximum borrowing capacity, but this is what it could look like if you sell your other property. So I don't know if you factored that into your plans or this is what it would look like if you held on to it. And as much as I always love the idea of holding on to investment properties for as long as you can, in some situations, it might actually make sense to sell your first property or an investment property, if it helps you then achieve your goals sooner for that next property. So it's not a case of when you're building a property portfolio that more is always better. So one great property could be better from you from a more like personal perspective, but also a long-term capital growth perspective than two medium properties. So I would say, first of all, assess all of your different options with your finances and then figure out, so that's your feasibility, I guess, process. And then think about your why. Again, so why are you buying this next property? That should really come before the what. A lot of people jump to the what first. I want to buy a townhouse in Sydney. I want to buy an apartment in Melbourne, whatever it is. But the why needs to come first. And if maybe your why is, I want to have a backyard so that I can have a dog, or if I want to have housing security, because I want to have a family and I don't want the risk of being kicked out of my rental every 12 months. That's your why. And if that's your why and your why is housing security, then rent vesting probably doesn't make sense just to get another property for the sake of it. So figuring that out first is the next step. What can you do? What's your why? And then from there, make sure, making sure your why aligns with the feasibility because your mortgage broker might say, okay, well, yes, you can achieve what you want, but you need to save up X amount or you need to increase your incomes by X amount. And working for yourself is a unique position where sometimes you can increase your income by working harder versus if you're on a salary and that, that might be it and you'd have to get a second or third job. So then determining, okay, well, if I need to do those things, can I do it? Do I want to do it? 
Otherwise, if not, and I can't afford what I want, what do I change? What do I change within my expectations? So it's a bit of a process around your why, your when, and whether that's achievable. And if not, you either need to change something, whether that's your finances or your budget or your expectations, or reassess, wait and reassess. And sometimes that is actually a a viable option as well. Not just buying something for the sake of it and not just going and buying another investment property for the sake of adding to your portfolio if it's not going to achieve your personal goals, especially if you're wanting to start a family. I hope that helps. Oh, that was so helpful. Honestly, I've, yeah, I really appreciate it because it's been in the back of my mind. And then sometimes it's, it's nice to talk through the different options and yeah, potentially selling the investment property is a good option as well. Did you think that you would keep it, Queenie? I would like to keep it because I know that the area, it's like undervalued, you know, and I know that they've got in a couple of years, I don't know when, but you've heard it here first, everyone. Yeah, there's a metro that's just going to make it so much more seamless to get into the city and like other parts of Sydney. And yeah, now they they have like the the new highway underneath it. So it's like, I guess it's already a little bit more convenient to live in that area. So, And it makes it a a harder decision when you feel like you've got this property that maybe hasn't performed to its full extent, which is, which sounds like is the way that you're feeling. So all the more reasons, once you get to the point where you have all of these options put down in front of you, and then if you can see, okay, well, how much, what can I, what type of property can I buy if I keep that investment property versus what type of property could I buy if I sell it? How does that actually change anything? It might change a a little bit. And in which case, you know, you might not bother, but if it changes your options significantly, then you can say, okay, well, is that actually worthwhile for me potentially missing out that on that future growth to get a better property for my personal lifestyle? But in theory, buying a better property for yourself might also then mean you have one overall better asset then growing for you. And when we're buying a home to live in, you know, a, a performing in capital growth is the bonus. It's not necessarily the goal. But again, you can almost think of it like filtering money out of one asset into another one. That's maybe a better way for someone like you who puts their investor hat on when making decisions to, to consider this. Oh, it's so it's so good. Honestly, I, I really appreciate this. I'm like, I feel like I need to jot down some like notes after this about <laughs> different options. It's it's so it's so good to look through the different options. Do you ever find like okay, here's me asking you your question, but do you ever find sometimes like, you know, with your financial journey and your wealth building journey and do you ever find there are so many things like or so many different options and it's it can be a bit I don't know confusing about which way to go and which path to go down and how have you found that Owen and Amy? Well Owen I'd I'd love to hear about your your story here because I'm very property focused and you're yes you're a homeowner but you're very much uh, involved in the share market and other assets as well so I feel like we're kind of at the other end of two ends of the spectrum here. Yeah I think it's uh, such a big thing I learned pretty early on in my life the the cost of opportunity. So they call it opportunity cost in economics, right? And so for me personally, it was at any one single time, what's the maximum amount of compounding that I can do? And if you boil it down for me, that was taking the maximum amount of risk that I could take early in my life. But taking the maximum amount, that means that I've thought about the risk of taking risk if you get my drift. So 
So property is a great way to do that, right? From In my opinion, taking risk on property means using a loan to buy an asset. And if you get that right, it's like a springboard into the next thing. So that's why property was on my radar no matter what. But then I also more recently have decided, well, that's great, but that's it's kind of a growth at any cost type mentality, which is probably not always aligned with your why. And so for me, I'm sure I would love to have like a beach house or something like that. But personally, like the, the idea of pursuing financial independence means that that's probably the bigger calling for me personally. And so that means that I have to sacrifice putting money into an additional property right now. It might change in the future uh, and instead start to build up those ETFs and index funds. So that's how I kind of make the trade-off is like, I've only got a certain amount of money. What's the maximum reward I can get for that while being under the kind of umbrella of my why? If I, I maybe could get a better return if I went outside and pursued something really risky, but I probably that probably wouldn't align with my why. So that's how I think about it, Amy. I'm curious what you... How do you think about that? Well, I, I've i actually um, done what you probably shouldn't do in that I invest in what's familiar. And that is for me, property. Having you know worked in the industry for a decade now, it's something that I feel incredibly comfortable with and very knowledgeable about. And for that reason, not only am I highly invested in property, but it's all in Melbourne. It's all in Victoria as well. So there's really not a lot of diversification there. But for me, that gives me comfort and I have doubled in the share market and we do have some investments in, in private investments as well. But, you know, with property, I've got set, I've got apartment, an apartment in a boutique block. I have a, a, a you know, a small one bedroom townhouse out in Newport. We've got our family home. We've got another project we're renovating. We've got a car space. We've got a development. We're doing a dual occupancy. So I'm doing all of these things within that space too, which is uh, adding value, and that's something that you can't do with other investments. You can't change. You you buy a share, and you know it's a share, but you can buy a property, and you can you can renovate it, or you can develop it, or you can change it. And because I'm, that's something that I'm knowledgeable about, and also I think I'm relatively good at doing. That's why I've diverted everything there. So it's certainly it's a it's a unique position that I'm in. But I have given myself the task, the longer term task to diversify, but not only to diversify, but to teach myself about other investment classes too. And, you know, that's why I listen and follow to you guys, Queenie and and Owen, because you are the ones who are teaching me these things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but that's that's it, Queenie. Good question, right? Like at any one time, we have the, the potential to spend our money however we want and invest it however we want. And... I think regardless of whether it's shares or property or anything else that you could invest in your own business, a lot of people make decisions like there's like the tail wagging the dog. It's like they go straight to the thing that they could buy without actually thinking about well, what, why am I doing this? Like, why is this thing here? And then they end up selling and they probably lose money on the transaction costs or, or what have you. And I, I find that's like, that's just human nature, right? It's like, let's act, let's act without sitting back and carefully thinking it through. But even approaching in your situation, Queenie, with your renovation, I mean, that was putting money into property, essentially trying to add value. So every dollar that you put into that renovation, the goal was to make more than that. How did you approach that consideration rather than putting that money somewhere else, investing in in shares or whatever, uh, whatever your other, other options were at the time? How did you make that decision? Oh, that is a good point. I guess at the time our oven didn't work at all. Like it was a it was a very old apartment. 
there was no renovations done to it at all. And the oven didn't work. There was like one hot plate that worked and it was, it was, it worked too well. It would burn food all the time. (laughs) And so we were like, yeah, we actually do need to renovate the kitchen. That was another lesson. We should have checked before we bought like that everything was actually working, but we didn't. But we also wanted to renovate it anyway. And it wasn't, I guess, a big, it was kind of like a no brainer for us. Like, like we, it felt right, you know, like we need to do this for living here. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad it all worked out and we found some good contractors to put things in. And the whole process, even though it took a while, it was uh, it was quite fun. And it was nice, actually. Uh, we went to see our tenants yesterday. So we did a depreciation report on the renovations that we did. And one of our friends is a valuer and she does tax depreciation reports. So we went to visit the apartment and she went to have a look at the renovations and um, yeah, basically see what we could depreciate. And it was just nice as well seeing the family that lives there now. And they're so lovely and they they kept the place like spotless, like it was so clean and like it was just so nice. And then after going there, because we were kind of thinking like we could move back there, maybe we'll see. But after going there, we're like, wow, I, I'm just so happy that this family like really appreciates the the stuff that we did, you know, like it feels like they really like living there and they appreciate all the things that that we've done to the place and the work. And I'm like, that's worth it because I feel like they probably enjoy it more than we do. So yeah, it was it was a really nice experience. And something that I didn't know at the time is that you can actually depreciate property renovations. And I know there are some things that we can't depreciate because we lived in the place before we rented it out, like appliances. We can't depreciate those things like ovens and cooktops and things like that. But there are quite a lot of improvements that we made that we can depreciate. So yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting to learn about that as well because that's something that, you know, you get don't get caught taught. Yeah. And you should keep all of your records. I shared this on a recent episode, my property investing mistakes. And when I did my first renovation, even my second one, I didn't keep all of the paperwork. And for a depreciation report, you don't necessarily have to have receipts or anything. But when you go and sell that property in the future and you want to claim that as part of your your cost base, you should actually be able to support all of those things. So I hope you kept receipts and records, Queenie, like I did. <laughs> I'm sure I, I hopefully have them somewhere. Yeah, because it is, yeah, it is a big thing. It is On your big. Bunnings Power Pass. Yeah, <laughs> I know, that's true. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, and are, are you planning to do any renovations as well? Uh, I've got to put in a stove tonight and a dishwasher tomorrow morning, but wow. um, I purchased, yeah, we purchased everything online and uh, through Power Pass, so it's all good. But I was actually going to ask you one final question, Queenie. Uh, if I may, which is where do you think you will be in three years with your property journey? Like what do you think is the likely scenario right now? Because I'm, I'm curious because when we can catch up with you again in the future, where might you be in the next few years? Ooh, ideally, I would love to be living in a place that we own. That's more of like, I guess, a, a long-term place that we want to stay in for the next couple of years. So yeah, that'll be. Well, you've just answered your own why, Queenie. At the start, you didn't know what your why was, and now you've answered it. (laughs) And you helped me so much. Thank you. And I think, yeah, having a fam, like a small family, yeah, that would be really nice. And yeah, it's been really helpful talking to you because I feel like I've been a bit confused, but now it's like now that we know the why, you know, maybe you have to compromise on some other things and sacrifices. You can't have everything that you want all at once, you know, but yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. 
I'm so glad. That's my motto. The why, the why before the what. Just that's the only thing you take away from today. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you so much. And what about you? Can I can I ask where where would you like to see yourselves in your property? Well, let's all let's all say this so we can rewind this in the in three okay. years. <laughs> Amy, ladies first. Sure. Oh, well, I'm going to say we're, we're currently renovating our next home to live in. That's our family home. So I expect that we'll still be in there for a while. And I think my focus over the next couple of years is really going to be debt reduction and tackling these interest rates because that has, from the time we decided to renovate till now, it's been a, a significant change. So I reckon I'm going to just knuckle down and tackle that. And I think a lot of other people are in the same position at the moment, really just trying to, oh gosh, I got involved in this massive sort of Facebook thread the other day where someone asked, should I fix my rates now or should I just ride it out? And there was about a hundred comments and everyone was doing, tackling it so so differently. But yeah, I think the the general consensus for a lot of people was riding that wave out and just focusing on that and, um, and trying to persevere. So yes, that's, that's my expectation. I'm just going to be in the same house in a couple of years hopefully with less debt. <laughs> How about you, Owen? <laughs> uh, that's great, Amy. That's great. Debt reduction. Yeah, I know so many people that are on the same path now. So I have, like, we created a, a vision board activity and I follow that to this day. And there are only really one or two major rocks that I have in my future or in our future, I should say. And from a property perspective, we want to live on a farm. So so the the goal is approximately five years away, I would say, pending different things like the running our, we all run our own businesses here like my, my running my own business how that goes that would be the big kind of like thing that could bring it forward but probably not it's probably five years away and if you asked me at the beginning of this year this is how things change i probably would have said that we may use the equity in this property to uh, make an investment prop to, to to have an investment property or even redraw and invest in shares because we do have a bit of equity a meaningful bit of equity in this house already uh, because i've done the full renos and we've done heaps of changes uh, as well as the property and the area has been highly sought after. So we're very fortunate. But um, in in short, I reckon in three years, not much would have changed. Maybe hopefully the stove would be working by then, but we will be continuing to invest in all different types of things like private businesses and those types of things until we can afford uh, to buy a farm. And I've, I'm on record like this, the farm would at today's valuations would probably be anywhere between a bit over $2 million and upwards of $4 million. So that's a significant amount of money, particularly if one of you are about to go potentially to a single, like you'd be a single income household if, say, we had kids or something like that. It's a big change. So that's It's the- good to plan ahead though and have those lofty goals and then figure out, well, if this is what I want to achieve, how do I get there and what do I need to change in the meantime, if anything, to work my way towards it? Because what you want to avoid in any kind of longer-term property strategy is saying, okay, well, in five years, this is what I want to do. And then in four and a half years saying, okay, well, let's go and do it, but I can't now because I didn't have any foresight foresight into it. I didn't save the right amount of money or I, I, I didn't consider all of my options. So it's good for us to have these short to medium-term goals as well as the longer ones. We'll be catching up in uh, 2026 uh, around Yeah, see June. you then. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll recap this and we'll probably just all go in totally different ways, but that's uh, <laughs> that's okay too. Well, we can include links in the show notes to everything that you do, Queenie. Well, some of it, I should say, because you do so much uh, with Pablo. People can find you online. Is it investwithqueenie.com? Is that the website? Yes, that's right. 
and on social media, on TikTok, on uh, Instagram, on YouTube. I think what well, I'm going to guess and maybe say you have 350,000 followers now. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like <laughs> that, which is just incredible. And you're you're absolutely dominating in your own business, so it's fantastic to see. Once again, all the links will be in the show notes. You've got your own podcast too. So uh, we do really appreciate you taking the time to come on and be so candid on this Friday afternoon. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's honestly so lovely to chat with you. And I've gotten so many good takeaways um, after this session. And yeah, it's very inspiring to hear about all of your goals as well. Uh, Well, thanks for turning it back on us. And Amy, um, I did get a glimpse into what you do to help uh, your clients buy properties to manage properties. Express, an express version of it. <laughs> yes, just a, just a peek in the window of what you do. So, of course, Amy's 100-point um, checklist is available in the show notes as well. If you are buying a property, seriously do not buy a property until you at least take a look at the checklist and and, and run it through it because it will save you time, money, and probably heartache too if you get it wrong. So check that out in the show notes and be sure to subscribe. Ladies, thank you once again for joining me. Thanks, Owen. Thank you so much. See you. Thanks for tuning in to the Australian Property Podcast. If you love the show, why not subscribe or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify? And if you want to work with me, Amy, Pete or Chris, you'll find links in your podcast player to get in contact with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. We're huge advocates of getting the right advice at the right time from the right people. That's why it's important to understand that this podcast episode contained general financial information only. It is not designed to be specific or personalized to your financial, tax or legal situation. With property, the check sizes are pretty big, so it's important you get advice from a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information you hear in RAS podcasts. Thanks again for listening. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.